what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Brothers in Tech is a weekly podcast focused on personal and home technology, helping provide you, our fellow brothers and sisters in tech, with some information, assistance, and recommendations. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.tv podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. To my right on the video screen, if you're watching us in glorious video, is Brian Jackson, my my actual brother in tech. How you doing, Brian? <laughs> your your actual brother in tech. You know, you could have stopped right after actual brother, right? You you do know that you don't All right. you don't have right. to do that, right? I mean it's your I am your actual brother and Ugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when you say it like that, it just a little shudder just runs down my back. I so. am your brother. Yeah. I'm oh you're my Alan. brother we just start out right off the gate with such wonderful love for each other and yeah it has been a whole week since i've talked to you so how you doing (laughs) i'm good (laughs) i'm good um yeah not much has really gone on in last week um same here yeah yeah um i know i've got some random tech things i'd love to update you on i don't know if we'll do it later in the show or if i'll wait and do it offline and it depends what kind of mood I'm in. I'm kind of, I've had some tech frustrations this oh, week. Oh, tell me it's drama. With. It's a tech drama? It is, tech, yeah. It's, tech it's tech drama. drama? How do we call and, that? And, uh, and the shame of it is it's drama involving yours and my favorite tech company, uh, a company called Apple. So uh, the, fruit, the fruit company. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I tell you what, I'm going to wait and see how I feel about whether I want to share this later on or not. We'll see. Do you have a drink on your table right now or not? That's my, that's usually my, my judge or how you're feeling. Okay. All right. Yes, I do. So, so we'll, we'll get this, into that. This, might, this might devolve. This might devolve a little bit as we go it along could. today. It could. It's good. But that's not what we're getting together to talk about in my, my ranting no. and frustrations. Again, we are, this is brothers in tech. We get together every week. Brian and I talk home, personal, family, technology, just, uh, try to talk about things in a more friendly way and, and help people that maybe if you're someone that you find yourself calling up a family member all the time, looking for some tech assistance or help buying something technology driven or setting something up in your home. Oh, well, that's where we like to jump in and be a part of this. So that's a, that's our kind of our role here. Um, and every time we get together, we, we try to talk about some different topics and, and dig into something every time we get together that we think might be of help for people watching or listening today. We do have a, a topic we're going to dig into Brian. I know something uh, yep. you have been kind of, uh, kind of into lately and been trying to work with something I did a few years ago, but I, it's still nice to kind of revisit it. I was maybe a little ahead of the curve when we started doing this. It's the idea of, turning uh physical media specifically like dvds cds dvds blu-rays into digital media so the idea being you're taking a and i do have blue i do have disc here i still have dvds that come to me and i'm just gonna show you know, everybody is aware of what we're talking about here dvds yeah but if you may not have a DVD player anymore, or maybe you do and you just don't feel like hooking it up, or you just want the convenience of what having a digital version of this instead of the disc itself, we're going to walk you through how you can do that and some of the benefits and ways 
that uh, it can make your life a little easier if you do decide to do this. Right, Brian? Are we, are we not, we're not talking about VHS today? Did I prepare? No, I've got a way long? to do VHS. Do you want me to go into VHS? I can certainly do it. Well, I mean, that's, that's what I prepared for. Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I don't think so. I mean, I think what we can do is when we do talk about the, the ways of doing this, when we'll mention, you know, there are some, some low tech ways, I think, and there are some higher tech ways, right? I mean, the VHS kind of goes with the low tech way. Um, and that's something that I think you and I both probably did many, many years back where we Mm -hmm. would digitize VHS tapes. And, and that, of course, you could understand why someone might want to do that because that particular media, you know, will degrade over time uh, at a much faster rate than, uh, than would a, a DVD. But, but no, I think we probably stick with the DVD today and maybe assume that if people really are itching for a follow-up on VHS and how to do that, we could, we can maybe make that happen. So how about we say this, we're going to focus on DVDs primarily. And when we say DVDs, we're talking DVD, uh, HD, DVD, Blu-ray, uh, some of those, some of those kind of disc formats. But yeah, if by the end, somebody says, you know what? I really want to talk through on how I can convert some old VHS tapes to digital. Will it work? <laughs> hey, look, I have got a converter box. I probably should make it a pick one, one, one week. I haven't. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that'd be good. But I've got a little converter box that has the RCA inputs. That's the red, yellow, white that you were mm-hmm. almost ubiquitous on VHS players and other media players. And that box has uh, inputs for those. And it has a USB cable coming out the other side. Nice. You plug up the USB cable. There's a piece of software you download to use with it. And anything you play into those RCA ports, it will digitize simply and easily. And uh, that's what I use for, like you said, high eight millimeter tapes, VHS tapes. I had a company have me take uh, some of their old archival VHS tapes years ago, or from many, many years back, and convert them for an event they were having just a few weeks ago. It was kind of fun to do. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's focus on DVDs. That seems to be more of, I think, if anybody's looking to kind of upgrade their their video library, it's probably going to be coming from DVDs. I do not recommend getting digital vert copies of your VHS tapes and expecting to put them on a nice big TV screen yeah. or yep. projector screen and then look anything at all good. They're just not going to. Um, DVDs themselves, I'll go ahead and give that word of caution too. I mean, it's... Uh, DVDs are what we consider nowadays standard definition. You know, they are the 480 lines of resolution, which was great when TVs, that's the best they could display. Um, And when TVs were smaller, uh, DVD quality looked wonderful. But now that our screens are capturing 1,080 lines of resolution for the most part, unless you got a 4K TV, then that mm-hmm. gives them like 2,800 lines of resolution. To take a 480 line of resolution video and blow it up to that kind of size screen and that kind of resolution, it's going to look pretty rotten. I'll just go ahead and say. So that's one thing to keep in mind before you even get down this path of saying, I want to convert my DVDs is just know what you're doing. Yeah. Just understand that, you know, Quality is going to be sacrificed if you're watching on fairly current TVs or TV sets or projectors or anything. Okay, um, so but let me let me clarify for sure. for people. 
that's going to look the exact same way if I hook up a DVD player to that same TV, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Unless okay. that DVD player, uh, some DVD players later in Upscales the DVD phase did some upscaling technology to try and make it look better. Yeah. Um, yeah. But even so, you're right. Hooking up a DVD player to your big 55-inch LCD, it's still not going to look great. It's just not. I mean, yeah. this is a format that kind of stopped at a certain resolution, and all of our equipment since then has gotten bigger and better resolution. So any time it's going to try to play that DVD quality video, it's just not going to look great. Yeah. But still, there are still some movies out there, or maybe people have personal DVDs that they've burned that, you know, there's no other way to see them. So you do want to be able to convert them into something you can watch digitally. So there's a use case for it. Just, just understand yeah. there's a caveat to it at first. Yeah. yeah. And what you're, so what you're saying is that if I, if I have a movie that I, that I own a DVD that I own, if I can access that movie on Netflix, I'm going to get a much better picture, right? Infinitely better. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because the Netflix version is going to be catered to a at least uh, HD or ten or or four K possibly format, yeah. and it's going to look great. Um, DVD will never look great unless you're looking at on a small screen. Yep. Um, or an older TV, older set that does have that limited resolution already. Um, but again, there's use cases for it. I mean, Brian, there, I went through this years ago. Uh, I had a huge collection of DVDs and I said, look, I just don't want to lose them. I don't know how many of these I'm going to watch ever again. And yes, as this was before online streaming really picked up steam. So I just wanted to have them all available in a digital format that I could pull up on demand without having to keep a DVD player laying around. Yeah. So I went through the whole process and I, I ripped, and that is the word we're using, uh, ripping your DVD collection. It took me, several weekends of just letting yeah. a computer run because each DVD took maybe uh, at that time, it was like a couple hours. Oh, wow. To rip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, that was, yeah. this was, this was six, seven years ago, probably at least. Yeah. And, um, uh, it took a while. So that was a multi weekend endeavor to do. But once I got them all uh, converted to digital, I donated the DVDs to a family member that I know loves DVDs and still watches them. And I put all of the my movies on a Plex server, which we're going to talk about later in the discussion about ways you can actually display these videos you've now taken off a DVD and keep them handy for your TV set. So yeah, um, yeah. Well, and let me let me let me start us out by asking you a question: Is yeah. what you just did by saying you gave it to a, a, a family member mm -hmm. was that legal? Um. So was, I was you putting it up on a Plex server. So I sold them to him. Maybe does Maybe. that make it legal? I don't Probably know. Not the it, first step, right? The first well, step. Uh, what we're talking about a, today is yeah. is the question, right? You're bringing up a very good question. Legality. Um, yeah. Before we even get into this, okay. So if I'm showing you the DVD I've got, this DVD here, and it is. Technically, by law, by the law that has been uh, set up for the distribution of discs like this, I technically only have permission to watch this disc on a personal basis for me, for me to watch it in my household. And that's all I can do with this. 
So even the idea of me saying, I want to rip this DVD into a digital format that I can store on my computer or streaming box, it's technically not covered in right. the rights of this. Now that's a, that's a, I can get on my soapbox about this. And I know there's a lot of people, you know, arguing that that's kind of ridiculous. If you own, I bought with my own money, this disc, it is something I purchased. Um, I should be able to make a backup of it or have an, another version to be able to watch of it. As long as I'm not infringing on, uh, copyright issues by sharing it with other people or displaying it to a group or crowd or anything else. But I mean, that is what the law is, is that we're not even allowed to create a digital copy of our DVDs based on that. So, so, so do we, are we done? Do we just stop <laughs> yes, the episode right. now. So there's <laughs> nothing more we can say. <laughs> Let's say legally, should we, should we type in a little, uh, text at the bottom of the screen here Alan, that just says technically illegal? For everything we I can do that here on. Yeah, let's I'm do actually that. gonna do that right now. Let's so, do that. <laughs> um, this may be illegal. <laughs> Please don't do this. Okay, so that's now. Um, there we go. Perfect. So we've that's our disclaimer. We put it on yep. the bottom. Use at your own there. peril. Yes, yes. So let's just assume that you are someone that you have uh DVDs. Yeah. at home. They are ones you own, you bought them and you are wanting to make a digital copy, whether it be for just backup purposes. Some people just say, look, I just, you know, I might break the DVD or whatever. I just want to make sure right. I've got a backup in case I lose it or break it. Or you do want the convenience of, I don't want to have to have a DVD player anymore. I don't want to have to pop in and out disc. I don't want to have to keep up with the different remote control. I just want to go to my TV, go to my Apple TV, go to my, uh, um, fire TV box, whatever it may be. And I just want to be able to play the movies I own. Well, then that's right. where this comes in. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's talk through uh, what you need to understand about it. Um, before yeah. we get into the mechanics, um, we're talking about taking a physical DVD disc and taking its contents and converting it into a file. So it's just like a file you could, you have on your computer. You could, yeah, you know, put on a thumb drive. You could do whatever you want to do with it. it is a self playing file that will open up and play in QuickTime player on your Mac or on the TV app in your Mac or on windows, windows media player, any other format of video. That's where yeah. it's going to play. Um, you can then take those files and you can put them on a Plex server. Like we're going to show you, you could, there's ways you could stream it up to a, a, a box like an Apple TV box or other type of streaming device. There's some other tools and apps where you can load files into some of these players. If you want to keep a library going, we'll show you Plex a little bit later. And that's, that's our preferred method for collecting videos and having them available yeah. to show. Well, I'll Brian, I, 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 go ahead, Brian. Yeah. Maybe let me just, just start from more of a, a novice perspective, right? So sure. when, when I, you know, I'm sure almost everyone has dealt with CD media in the past where their laptop had a CD player and you put the CD in and either played music or you, uh, or had, that's where you stored things before a flash drive, right? People would store them on a rewritable disc and everything. I think one of the, one of the, cons, one of the misconceptions that people might have would be that, well, the DVD player is just a bunch of files and I can just drag the files 
out for the DVD player, drop them onto my computer, and there you go, right? Just mm-hmm. like I would anything else. I open it up in a Finder or a, a Documents window, look at it. Ooh, there's all the stuff. I'm just going to copy, paste onto my computer, and I'm good to go, right? So that's not exactly what we're going to be needing to do here, right? Because there is a there is a uh, a a different a couple different steps that have to be done, and unfortunately, it's not just as easy as drag and drop, right? Yeah. yeah. It's the same now, thing with, with music. You know, music wouldn't necessarily do the same thing because there had to be some encoding that needed to go on for yeah. you to actually be able to use it, right? Yeah. For example, like, you, you know, if you have a DVD drive or disk drive for your computer and you pop in a DVD, it'll probably play on your computer because there's probably like a DVD yep. player software. But if you were to actually go in like your Finder or Windows Explorer and look at the disk icon and open it up, you're going to see some folders in there and you're going to see some files. But like you said, it's not something I could just click and drag and copy over it and all of a sudden I've got a video. Uh, they're they're encrypted. They're, they're kind of formatted in a way that they're not meant for just dragging and dropping files off of them and, and using them. So. Um, yep. Yeah. Okay. So that so that then changes kind of the you know what we're suggesting is that there it's a more difficult process rather than saying well hey I have a computer I can just drop them on and I can copy them. You can, um, but you're going to need some software to do it. You're going to need yeah. some. You're going to need some help, and you're going to need to understand a little bit about what you want to do because here's here's the thing that people also want to recognize is that you don't just want a copy of your dvd now you may think you do you may think that hey what i really want is just copy everything that's there but really if you just want the movie right there is a portion of that that is the movie and that you actually want so Mm -hmm. it's about extracting that it's about converting that so formatting is something that we, you know, we take for granted, I believe, you know, for me, I look at it and go, Hey, I'm watching a DVD and it's on my computer. So therefore it's the same format as when I watch it on a TV screen and watch it on somewhere else. Or I watch it on my phone. And that's not necessarily the case. Everything is reformatted for these, these different devices. So mm-hmm. that's why we, you don't want to get in the, the, the uh, position of you deciding how all this is going to be done. I think you want right. to probably go with some software that's going to handle it for you. So, yeah. so what would be the first step Alan? Cause you say that this stuff is encrypted. Uh, what do we yeah. need to do? First? So, so we are going to talk about two different pieces of software we're going to use in this demonstration. Now there are other software products out there. And if you were to go online, do a Google search for rip my DVD or DVD to digital format or something, you will be inundated with ads for companies that are selling little software products that are meant to <clears throat> take a DVD and basically create a digital version of it. And it will basically have to work around the copy protection that's on that disc. That is the caveat we've got with, with store-bought movies on DVD is that they're all have co- they all have copyright on them, meaning you are going to have to go through some steps to be able to make that, that digital copy now. Um, the first of the two software products we're going to show though, we're showing two that will do the same thing as these store-bought ones you're going to see. Both of the software products we're going to show though are free products, free software, and that they're both available for Mac or Windows. So they work on both platforms. Um, the first one we're going to talk about is a software product. Now, Brian, you have been using this a lot lately yourself, Mm -hmm. and it is, uh, one called Make mkv and let me go ahead and bring up my screen on that i should have had this done earlier here we go 
All right. So Make MKV is a yep. piece of software that you can download. It is free. There's no licensing or anything like that. It is called, it calls it software beta, meaning it's saying that it's not like the final official version of the software, but that also gives them a little bit more license to say, we're just going to let people download it because it is beta. Beta also can mean it may not be perfect. I mean, it may not work every single time perfectly without hiccups. So they're giving themselves a little leeway for that. But regardless, make MKV is the one that you're going to have to start with because what it make MKV does is it will take your, your, your physical media, your disc that you're converted, both DVDs and Blu-ray disc. If you have them connected, connected to your computer or in your disc drive in any way, and it will convert it into a, a file video file that is free of any copy protection issues. Meaning you then have a master digital file that will play on your computer and you can store and do whatever else you want to do with it. All right. So it's great. It's a real simple, it's a software. You open it up. If you have any disc drive connected to your computer, whether it's an internal drive on a PC or whether you've got an external little disc reader or whatever it may be, it's going to see it. It's going to say, Hey, there's a disc in here. And you hit the little button to say, I want to convert it to something on my hard drive. And it just goes. Yep. Now, Brian, you've been using this more lately than I have. It's been a while since I've used this. How long does it typically take to uh, take a, like a standard movie on a DVD? Yeah, I've I've seen anywhere from twenty minutes to an hour uh, okay. that that one would take. Right now, again, you know, I'm on a I'm on a fairly new MacBook Pro, <clears throat> yeah. so it's it's got good speed to it and uh, yeah, I can I'm pretty much giving myself about thirty minutes on average uh, per disc. And just to make sure people recognize that what this will do, at least on a Mac. And I don't know if it, I'm assuming it's doing the same, same conversion on a PC, Alan, but, um, as Alan said, when the disc is in, you tell it where you want the copy to go. So you point it, as you can see there in the highlighted sec, well, I'm sorry, the highlighted is what the disc is named. And then you tell it, here's where I want on my computer for you to put the file. <clears throat> and what it's doing, it, it seems to be creating what is similar to like a zipped drive or a zipped uh, file. You know, on, mm-hmm. on most of our computers, we all know that you can take a number of files, zip them together into one file that's kind of like a package. You open it and then it kind of, you know, presents all those files again. Because what this does is it's creating on my computer, it's creating something called a, a .iso file. And that .iso file, if I were to double click on it, it then comes up with my DVD player mm-hmm. so that it recognizes the menus. It recognizes everything. So my experience at that point is just like my DVD. Yeah. So this .iso file is kind of like a zipped. It's not just the movie. It's the trailers. It's the uh, it's the menus. It's everything all zipped into one uh, one file. It is taking that full uh, DVD experience and turning it into a playable version on your computer without a disc necessary. Yes. And it's, but it, at the same time, it is bypassing the copy protection on that disc at that point as well. Right. Because it needs to, because in the future, you're not going to have that DVD there to confirm, right? That's that right. It needs yep. to be played. Yep. Yep. Now, how big is the file that it converts typically, Brian? 
That's a good question. Let me look at kind of an average here. I'm. It, it, looking... Let's talk about a standard DVD, not a Blu-ray or not that. Do you have just standard, oh, standard I do, yeah. DVD? Okay. And none of mine are Blu-ray. They're all standards. Okay. And it looks like the smallest one I see is 4.6 gigabytes, but mm -hmm. I have several that are, most of them are actually eight or eight yeah. and a half. Yep. Eight, eight gigabytes. It's still a pretty big file. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's created this file. It's created a fairly large file that takes up a lot of room on your on your computer. Eight gigabytes is pretty sizable. Yep. And uh, but it's still just a file that you can open up and play on a computer. But it's not in a format yet that is going to be able to be used with Plex or some other media server or boxes. We're going to talk about in a little bit. Right. So that's why this is step one of two. You got to do this is the big one though. This is what gets you off the disc. <laughs> the disc. Yep. Once you finish phase one with the make MKV, the disc is done. You are no longer closet. needing the disc anymore. Okay. Right. You have successfully brought your disc and converted it into a computer friendly digital format. Okay. Yep. Now, Brian, we should back up a little bit. I mean, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, it's a good thing. I, I as far as I'm concerned, but, in the last several years, a lot of laptops and computers don't even have right. DVD drives on them. So I think it's important to note that, you know, if your computer has a disk drive, a DVD drive on it, great. It's already set to go. You pop it in, MKV, make MKV is going to see it off of that. Yep. You can use an external drive. I've got one over here in my cabinet. It's a little mm -hmm. USB uh, drive. It was really inexpensive. I keep it around just for archival purposes. Just if I have to pull up something that people send me, I plug it up. It's USB connection. But I, once I plug it up, software like make MKV still sees it. So as long yep. as you put your disc in there, it will still work. So if you don't have a disc drive and you're wanting to do any kind of ripping of DVDs, a disc drive that will work with your computer. Uh, luckily they're, they're, they're good and inexpensive. You can get one really cheap. Uh, it doesn't need to have any bells and whistles on it. It just needs to be a simple, just play the disc and connect yeah. it to your computer. And that's it. So can I give one quick caveat on that? Just sure. because this, I, this is something I had to, uh, to deal with. So I have a, I have an external, um, corded, uh, DVD drive, right? I think it's actually an Apple, yeah, it is an Apple brand, one that's been around mm -hmm. for years. It's USB. Well, given our new computers, they don't have the USB-A ports on them anymore. Mm -hmm. um, you and I both, I think, have been using some, uh, like an external... Uh, uh, like a dock? Like a dock stage. Yeah, exactly. I've got a dock station here that has USB ports on it, USB-A ports. Unfortunately, they're not, those ports are not powered. So yeah. therefore, it's not powering my DVD player when I plug it in. So I did have to use a little converter from mm -hmm. USB-A to USB-C, just a tiny yeah. little converter. They're actually pretty cheap. This one actually mm -hmm. came, I think, free with one of the things that I ordered that happened to uh, give uh, the converter so we could use it in multiple ways. But um, but that seems to work fine. So as long as it's plugged straight into the computer. So just be aware, you know, if you go and say, oh, I can go get that. And because I have USB-A on my my dock and I don't have USB-A's on my actual computer anymore, you may yeah. still be a step away from needing that unless you found an external one, a cheap external uh, DVD player that had power to it. So it has, has its own power adapter. Plug into the wall, then a USB into, into your uh, dock station. Yeah. So that seems like that would work. But okay. 
So that's that's your option. So just like we probably were remiss in saying that if you did not already have a disc player that would work with your computer, you will need access to one to obviously do any of this. You can't just take your standard DVD player that was connected to your TV set and do this. Right. That's a, that's a different process, and that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about using a drive, a disk drive, that connects to your computer or is already built into your computer Yep. to use. Yep. We have created that MKV file. What that is, is that's that fairly large file that is going to sit on your computer, and that's how you have now created a digital version of your DVD disk. Uh, make MKV will work with Blu-ray as well. So if you have an external Blu-ray drive or a Blu-ray drive on your computer, you could put in a Blu-ray disc. I'll go ahead and tell you though, a Blu-ray disc, um, if I remember correctly, it was probably about 50 gigabytes when cool. it op- when it converts it. Oh yeah. Wow. It's huge. Okay. Yeah. It's a high good definition enough. version of a movie. So it's going to be a good four or five times bigger than yeah. the, the standard definition one. But it'll do it. Make MKV will do it. Just be aware you're going to need a lot of room on your hard drive just yeah. to have that digital file for a little while. Okay. Yep. And again, I'm just going to throw out the disclaimer. All of this we're talking about, this may be illegal. Please don't do this. Okay. Just <laughs> Correct. Correct. And, run it and out there. anything that we're throwing out there, we technically, we have not done. No, no. I mean, we have really We've not never done, done this. this. We have, We've we just have read about it. it. Yeah. We We've just read, We've just read some scoundrels online who talk about how to do this. Right. All right. So, so Alan, let me give, uh, before we leave, make uh, MKV, let me just give a couple of quick things. It is, as Alan mentions, it's beta. Okay. And the beta has come up a couple of times, the beta elements of this, um, where I'll put a DVD in, it will do its scan. And what it does is it'll go through a quick scan to kind of recognize the, the DVD itself. Then when you say go and you say, make a backup and go, um, I'm starting to get this more and more as I do more disk that I'm getting a little further along and it'll come up and say backup failed, backup mm-hmm. failed. Um, two steps. One, just do it again. <laughs> and oftentimes, even though the backup fail, if you look at the description, so on, on the screen we have in front of you, Alan, the, the white portion at the bottom is usually where the notes occur, where it'll say, oh, backup failed or backup mm-hmm. complete if it says backup failed, a lot of times it'll say, um, you know, scrambled section, authentication, failure, blah, 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 which made me think, oh, gosh, it's not able to actually get the copyright. Try it again. Second time usually works. If it doesn't work on a second time, eject the disk, put it back in, and it tends to work. So that's that's the beta portion of this in that it'll, it'll sure. occasionally have uh, that issue. Yeah. But once okay. it's done... That file is there. The other thing to to kind of keep in mind is that the files, and maybe we'll talk about this a little later, the files don't always have the actual title. It doesn't always recognize the title of the movie. Hmm. Sometimes it will say, do you want me to make this? And it's going to make it as DVD video, (laughs) DVD underscore video is the name of the the file. which of course, if you already ripped one that had the exact same name, it's not going to, to be able to do that. So you have to maybe go in and tell it what the name is. Some of those have just not been encoded with the the actual name. Well, I was going to say exactly. That. Yeah, that's not even an M- make MKV thing. That is no. the disk itself. Right. The file structure inside that disk has a name, and sometimes the manufacturers 
put the actual name of the movie in there, or sometimes they just leave it the generic video, uh, DVD underscore video. So, but once you get that part and now it's into the, this ISO file, um, then we're ready to, ready to go next step. Let's go to step two. Okay. Step two is another piece of software you're going to need. And this is one we use, um, that we recommend, uh, is also another piece of free software. It is one available for Mac, Windows, and Linux, just like Make MKV was. It's called Handbrake. Now, the website here, it's a little different. Just be, pay attention to this. It's handbrake.fr, not .com. But Handbrake website is an open source video transcoder. Now, it's doing kind of what Make MKV is doing. But there's a couple of differences here is why you use these two together. For one, Handbrake um, does not circumvent copy protection natively. Not natively. So, if, yep. so it works the same way in that if it looks on your computer, finds a disk you've got connected to your computer and allows you to convert that the contents of that disk to video files. But again, if you're using a commercial DVD that has copy protection on it, Handbrake will not be able to work with it. So that's where you go to M- make MKV first. Okay. Then you go to Handbrake. Now, Brian, Handbrake is a tool I use. I mean, I'm honestly using Handbrake about every other day just for all my other purposes, not for converting movies. But if I've got a video that I got off the internet or I made and its file size is just super large and I really want to get it smaller, I want to get it smaller to where I can send it by email, maybe I want to send it where I can like post it up somewhere for somebody to see, or I just don't want it to take up as much room on my computer. That's what Handbrake can do. Handbrake will take video files you have on your computer or disc you have attached to your computer and take those video files and convert them into another format. Generally speaking, a format that's going to be smaller file size while maintaining still good quality. And you have a lot of controls to ensure what level quality you want to have and, uh, or how fast you want this process to go of, of converting yeah. it. Yeah. So handbrake's great. Uh, it is a little daunting when you first get into it. I've actually got Brian, uh, a handbrake pulled up. I was going to go ahead and share that. Um, and while you're doing that, just to, just to remind people, the reason you have to do this is that you do not want the full MKV, version that's not going to be efficiently shared now i'll make a caveat alan if if it let's let's say that my scenario is i have a bunch of dvds i have a dvd player that goes tits up right it breaks i don't want to replace it but i do have a computer that i can connect to my to my tv and play dvds from my computer or through my computer well one option would be you know you could use MKV, bring everything in so there's a digital version. So you don't actually have to worry about the disc anymore, but you could connect that computer and you would have the full DVD experience. You Mm -hmm. would pull these files up and they would look, it would take over your screen just like a DVD uh, player would, and you'd be good to go, right? So that's, that's all that you could stop there if you wanted the full DVD experience, meaning you pull it up and, and the menu is there and you get to click through the chapters and you get to click through the the uh, previews and all these things that would be just like your dvd was so if you wanted that that's what mkv had just did for you 
you can stop there right. as long as you want to play it from your computer. It's going to stay on you your computer. Go the next step. Yeah. yeah, it's going to stay on your computer, and you don't mind the file size with it being right. probably three or four times larger than it really is going to need to be. If you're okay with the file size and you're okay with it staying on your computer to play, then yeah, you've got a. You, I mean, you got a great, great copy of your of your disc with the full disc experience, like you were describing, yep. Ryan. However, to get it to play on an Apple TV, on a on a Fire TV, on a Plex server, anywhere else, you are going to have to go through this next phase, converting it to another format, and that's where Handbrake comes in to do that. So, Brian, right now I'm just going to show I'm opening up a movie that is on my computer. Assume that this is the Make MKV movie that you okay. just created in step number one. Okay, and if I open it up. I basically chose open source up here. I chose mm -hmm. the video file on my computer. It's now opened up. It shows me this is a one hour and eight minute movie. I'm looking at here that I've got. Um, I can go see the preview of it. I can actually skip through different chapters of the movie and just kind of get an idea of that. And this is, again, where it gets really daunting because there's a lot of options here, but the most important thing to know is that there are presets that Handbrake makes available. And unfortunately, the screen sharing doesn't show this pop-up window. But when I click on presets, I'm given a list of some different presets that I can use to make this compressed version of my video. Um, by default, it comes up as fast 1080p30. What that means is 1080 resolution, which is HD resolution, 30 frames per second. And it's going to try to encode it fairly a lot faster in its processing time on Handbrake. Um, you can change it. I can go to, instead of fast, I want super high quality 1080p, 30 frames per second. Um, I can choose these presets, or I can actually go into these different settings and make a lot of the setting changes myself. Now, Yes, did Alan Jackson, did I go in and play with these settings and make a custom setting for my movie ripping? Yes, I did. Do you have to? No, I think most people are going to be fine with the quality level you get by just choosing one of the presets that comes with Handbrake. Um, but once you've chosen what you want to have it do and you chose that preset or you've gone in and made your modifications, if you're comfortable with that, you simply go up and hit the start button and then it converts it to that new file format. Um, it's generally going to convert it, like you can see right here, it's going to go into, oh, where is it? Uh, this one's going to turn into an H.264 file. Mm -hmm. I could change it to an MPEG-4 file, which is pretty common as well. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of different options of how I could do it, but typically H.264 or MPEG-4 is the ones I think you're going to see the most people using for converting these files. Yep. Once you've got it set, though, like I said, you just hit the start button, and it will take a while, too. I think an hour and a half or two-hour movie may take. Gosh, I haven't even tried it on my new MacBook Pro, so I don't know how fast it's going to go. Yeah. Brian, how fast have you 30, 30 minutes. 30, 30 minutes. minutes. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Yep. So, again, it's going to go through a second process here of converting that video file. Now it's converting the file on your computer into a more playable file that can be played on any other device uh, on its own. That's what Handbrake is here to do. Yep. Again, it's a free piece of software. Uh, I know it's a lot of buttons, a lot of options, but just trust me, once you open it up, choose your movie, 
choose a preset that sounds like the kind of preset you're going to want, you know, and hit play or hit start. And if you don't like the quality level you got when you play it back on your uh, TV, you can always come back to handbrake and do it again and change any of the settings you want to. So, so a couple of, couple of questions, cause this is something that I got a little confused with when I was, sure. um, when I was doing this, the presets, Mm-hmm. Okay. Obviously, my first thought when I look to the presets is, well, I want I want the video to be as good as possible. So when I go to the preset, I I looked and said, well, okay, there's a preset for the Apple TV, and there's a preset mm-hmm. for 4K Apple TV. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. 60 frames a second as opposed to 30 frames a second, right? Surround sound. My question is, if I had something that was already a standard definition DVD, Doing it in 4K makes no difference whatsoever. Is yeah. it actually hurtful? It's not Is that it it's hurtful. going to make a worse a worse copy. Um, it's, it's not. To break things up it will more? make it a larger file unnecessarily. Right. Unnecessary. Which a larger file, when you think about streaming it or playing on a device, larger files you always concern are going to take a little more horsepower to play. So. Yep. Uh, you're right, though. It does Buffer nothing. And all that. Right? It does nothing for it. So yes, okay. you do not need to go up to a 4K setting. If you're if you know the movie you're bringing in it was not 4K to begin with. Yeah. If yep. Uh, it was a there was an if it was a DVD, technically it is 720. That is what seven seven twenty. There's my 720 setting. Fast 720, 30 frames per second. Now I would go 1080, yep. even though even though it's not technically a 1080 file you're working with. 1080 is kind of just a default standard. I, I don't think you really, I don't, I don't think you probably gain much, but you don't get hurt much either by going with that. And that way you just know that you're making your movies kind of consistent with what most standard TV sets are set to play. But I definitely would not go larger than that unless okay. you ripped a Blu-ray, which is a, I mean, some, some of them are 4k, some 4k disc are out there. If you ripped a 4k disc, then I would absolutely convert it to a 4K in handbrake yeah. to preserve yeah. as much as possible. Don't go down a level uh, from what your original yeah. video was, but don't feel the need to go up a level either. So Yeah, and I can tell you from experience, choosing a preset that they have is much faster and runs faster than you going in and tweaking something oh, that's absolutely. there. So choosing a preset, it's already kind of dialed in to do that. There, there mm-hmm. are some... Yeah, some that you can actually, I, I think you can get done in 10 minutes, 10 or 15 mm-hmm. minutes if you set the preset, one of the presets that's not trying to overreach uh, what's there. So I, I kind of screwed up. I went through the first several rounds doing the 4K because I was, because th- if you, Alan, if you go yeah. to your presets again. Yeah, I know my preset, it's a, a, it's, it's a pop-up menu, so you can't see the okay. menu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even the one up top. Yep. Okay. Nope. So, you know, if if you were looking at the presets right now, you would see several sections. You'd see a section based on speed. You'd see a section based on hardware. So I went to the hardware because I know what I really want is I want this to be able to play on my Apple TVs. And so Apple TV is a, a set of uh, presets there. There's 4K, there's 1080, there's 720. And of course, I said, well, I have a 4K Apple TV, so I'll do the 4K thinking that it would be optimized to show on the 4K TV, but that's not really the case. It's really optimizing for if you wanted a 4K video. Um, So, and that took a lot longer. Obviously, it took maybe 40 minutes to do instead of the 20 it would have been had I just selected um, the lower. So 
One other thing that may be a little different, what you're showing right now compared to what they may see, um, yours only has one title up there. Oh yeah. True. When you when you pull it up, uh, so right now I pulled up one. I pulled up the Green Mile. Right, a movie called the Green Mile. So I pulled it up, and it's got a drop down with five titles. And you may be wondering, like, well, which one of the titles should I get? Well, you should get the long one, mm-hmm. the one that shows the longest one, because that's the movie. The other yep. ones are the previews or the trailers or the uh, behind the scenes menus, videos, those or sorts something. of things, yep. right? Yeah. So those are things you don't need because remember, your MKV file has all that stuff you're only trying to extract just the movie. And so that's when you look to make sure that you're choosing the one. And some of these, some of these uh, DVDs have multiple long videos in them. They have, as you said, behind the scenes that may be 40 minutes long and another one that may be 120 minutes or an hour and 20. So just double check that you have the right one. And that's where the preview comes in play, right? Skip through the preview and just say, Hey, I'm looking to make sure that this is actually what I wanted to be gathering. Right. That's exactly. Once you pull up in that title section, you find the title you believe is the movie. If you want to make absolutely sure, just look at the thumbnail down here and you do have some ways to click through different keyframes or sections within yep. that video just yep. to make sure you are getting what you're expecting to get from the movie. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And then at the very bottom, just make sure the title is what you want it to be called. Um, because again, it may be there as dvd video it may be there another another interesting part i noticed i i uh i ripped the movie braveheart and what was obviously typed into the dvd itself was b-a-b-r-a-v-h-a-r-t yeah it came up as the completely misspelled uh words so i didn't want that to be the way in which the file was saved so you type in what you want it to be called and where you want it to go and mm-hmm. then you click start. Um, this is one that, you know, so what I've been doing, Alan, is is ripping several DVDs, you know, so let's say five, I'll get five in a night, maybe that get into the MKV file version. Mm-hmm. And then you can pull up handbrake once. And as you see at the very top here, you click start, but then you can also go while it started and go to the open source, pick a new one and say, add it to my queue, pick another one, add it to my queue, add it to my queue. And then it'll just go one after the other. So you don't have to sit yeah. there and restart really yes. helpful. I had a, uh, I had 30 movies in a queue processing at one time <laughs> in, in my heyday. So uh, just, yep. just let it go for a weekend. <laughs> it's like, just have fun. Yeah. Well, that is handbrake. So again, it, it, it's got a lot of options, a lot of features. Yep. You can really get through this pretty simply by opening your source, choosing your movie file that you created in make MKV. Then once it comes in, choose the right title from that title pull-down menu. And again, there generally will be one that's the length of the movie, an hour, 40 minutes, or whatever the movie length is. If you see multiple, you need to go and choose one and go down to your preview window and see if that's the right movie for sure. Then once you've got it, um, choose your destination where you want to save the file, give it a file name to save it to, uh, hit a preset. That again, I would recommend just one of the standard presets Hickory Handbrake gives you. Um, and then hit start. Yep. And you know, if you play the file afterwards and you don't like the way it looked, maybe it came out uh, wrong dimensions, wrong size, go up and change it, change the preset and do it again. And uh, there's no penalty for that other than just some time you're going to put into it. Um, so that's Handbrake. That's the, again, so make MK, MKV gets the file. All, that gets the entire contents of that disc 
into a computer open ready file on your computer. Handbrake takes that big replication of your disk and takes the movie file and converts it into a format that is Mm -hmm. a compatible format with any other player you're going to be looking to share this on. Yep. Okay. So Brian, at this point now, after that stage two, yeah, you've got a file. So that right there, if I'd saved this, Brian, that braveheart.mp4 would be a file now on my computer in my movies folder. That's where I told it to save it. I can double click that movie file now and watch it on my computer. I could send it to somebody if I wanted to, and then they could open it up and play it. There's a lot of things I can do with the file, but what's Which, of the course, you would we... not do because that would be illegal. That oh, would definitely right. Hold be on, illegal. I got to get my, uh, yeah, everything yes, we're saying, this go. may be illegal. Exactly. Please don't do got this. It. Right, got it. <laughs> um, but what are we going to show now? We're going to show the way we prefer to organize our movie files once we've gone through this process, and that's using a Plex server, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so... Just to remind people why this, why did I start doing this? And I know you had the the similar situation. I actually did have, it's funny, I had someone visiting about uh, about three weeks ago, Alan, maybe four weeks ago. And we were trying to figure out what to watch. And of course, and you know, even though we have all these streaming services, there was a movie we wanted to watch that we have a DVD player, or we have a DVD for, a DVD for. So of course I open up the DVD, put the DVD, uh, put the DVD in there to press play, and it kind of dies on me, right? The player exa- it itself died, and I have zero interest in buying a new DVD player. Why would I, right? I I, I will never buy another DVD. I can't imagine I'll ever buy one, um, but I do want to have access to the many DVDs that we have, you know, acquired over the years. So this to me was, you know, and you may be thinking. Uh, well, all of these DVDs, I can probably get every one of these movie on movies on one of my streaming services. You're exactly right. But the problem with streaming services still is that there's no guarantee that tomorrow that movie will be there. Right? They can change all the time. They can I can drop a service because I decide to not have it next month. Well, I let me go own ahead and, this DVD. Yeah. <laughs> now, know? Brian, let me go ahead and even give you a real life example of this. Just this week. Um, for example, like a streaming service like HBO Max announced that they were going to, they're canceling a couple series from going forward. So there will not be new episodes, but they're actually removing old mm-hmm. seasons off of the service. So wow. like the show Westworld, you know, it was a pretty yeah. popular show when it started up. Well, here in the very near future, that show will no longer be available on HBO Max. Like mm-hmm. you can't get it online. So your only option for seeing older episodes of that show is if you um, bought digital copies of it through an app, through Apple's movie store or some or Amazon store, or you've got DVD copies, which I yeah. believe they did make of those first couple seasons that you can watch. So again, this is another reason why you may want to do this because it's not a guarantee that something on a streaming service is always going to be there. Right. Right. Yeah. So without a DVD player anymore, but lots of DVDs, even though I'm not even sure I'll watch the DVD copy if I can find a streaming copy, yeah. uh, at least I know now and I feel comfortable that that we have it for uh, going forward. So okay. uh, if you listen to a previous episode, you've heard about the um, getting a Synology NAS system, which Alan had, and then I ended up copying him and getting one myself. Uh, but this became my way to have a home server where I could keep and store all of this 
all of these videos as well as other things, backups, and then wanting to, to, to stream it to my different devices. And Alan, that's where you can kind of jump in with the Plex server. And yeah. uh, let's talk about what that is. So as a reminder to everybody, what we're talking about when we say the Plex server, the Plex server is a, um, it is a free, I mean, you don't have to pay for it. There is a paid model of it, but you yeah. don't have to. It is something that can be installed on a computer. It can be installed on a NAS. It can be installed. Um, I guess that's the main places right now. Like you just have it on a computer or on a, a, a network attached storage device. Like we mm-hmm. talked about the last few weeks. And you then copy movie files to that location. There, the, 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 the Plex server sets up a structure of folders that you can then go in and add files into those folders. So there may be a movies folder. And there may be a TV shows folder. You put them in there and Plex can automatically index that file and say, oh, I see you put a movie file in the movies folder. So I'm now going to show it for you, have it in your library. So for example, Casablanca, it saw that I put a file for Casablanca in the movies folder. It actually performs a, can perform a lookup to like a IMDB type service or some sort of movie catalog service. And it can detect from the file what movie it is and bring in some of the information about that movie, like the poster uh, or so forth. Now that's not always a perfect thing. Sometimes you have to go in manually and give it some more information about the movie or look it up on a, on a tool that they have, where you can basically search for the name of the movie and have it attach that movie name and poster and, credits and all that to the movie file you put in yeah. but it allows you to build this nice library as you can see these are all dvd movies for years i have accumulated and now put up online and have available to watch anywhere um, that has access to this plex library so i'm on a web browser right now i could actually click and play any of these movies from right here, and I'm not going to do this for very long because we're going to get flagged and they'll be bad. <laughs> so just you can see the movie starts. I'm watching it within my browser. It's just it's watching it from that movie file that I created from Handbrake that we talked about in the last option, the last steps. And it's a now organized all that for us. Now, Brian, I don't have a, a way to view into the folder structure of how this is set up on the back end. But yeah. Um, Help remind me because you've been adding things in the Plex mm-hmm. more recently than I have. Can you, from the Plex interface, just add a movie directly from here, or does it still need to go directly into the folders in the background? Uh, I think you, I think you can. Um, and I'm trying to remember how that would work. There's a there's a management where you can manage your. Um, your content about where the videos are coming from. Yeah. Manage library. Try manage library. Yes. I don't, I don't think there is. I mean, I, no. I I'm, I'm trying to remember. I don't think there is any, I don't even know if there used to be basically what you're doing here is you're telling it where on your computer on your or on your yep. NAS, the folder is that needs to be the movies folder. It yeah. creates one by default, but you may have to go in and actually point it to the right place. Um, so for example, my movies folder, uh, if I say edit, yep, 
it knows my folder. So there is a on volume one, which is on the NAS. There's a media folder inside the media folder is a movies folder. Mm-hmm. And that's where I would then take my movies and put them in that folder. And the way I'm describing it, it doesn't sound very appealing to a lot of people I know who you know, are used to things being a little more automatic. You do have to do a little configuring with this to kind of get it to be set up the way you want it. But once you have it, it's actually uh, pretty easy at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the hardest part for me getting set up was making sure it knew where on my device these files were. But once yeah. you point it to those files, and Alan, maybe it, maybe an easy way for people to think about what the Plex server is, is Plex, Plex is almost like having um, Google Drive, right? You, you access your files in Google Drive from anywhere. You can access it on your phone. You can access it on a web browser. You can access it from somewhere else. And it's looking at files that are online. And you could open them up, the Word docs. You could even have a video on there. You could double-click the video and show the video. This is basically the interface like Google Drive is where it can give you the information on the files. This is just doing it for media. And it's able to then show TV shows and those sorts of files and understand what they are. Um, And it makes a really slick. I mean, it's so you have your own version basically of Netflix, right? You're you're. You're able to scan. It just happens to be those are all your files. Um, in addition to, I think Plex has done a really nice job, Alan, which I didn't realize how much it had advanced in the last you know five or six years. But to build in things that you have there, like live TV or its own movie free services that it can access, um, so that there are there are some pretty slick ways to where this can become really your, you know, your your main portal to go to from your Apple TV or from your Roku. Um, once you access it, then of course you can look and see, well, what movies do I have? And then what movies do I have access to? What's on live TV? Um, what I have loved recently is that um, I've started to look and notice that, you know, when you set up your Plex initially, it says, what are my, what are my uh, streaming services that I that I have access to? So I tell it, okay, I have access to Netflix, to Hulu, the blah blah blah. And when it when you do that, then it is able to in your own search within Plex search for a movie, and it'll tell you it's available either on your <laughs> your DVD mm-hmm. you have it, or it's available on this service which you have access to. So I'm hoping, and it's not quite there. It's not quite dialed in enough that it would be my main my main click when I go onto my uh, Apple TV, but I'm hoping it will eventually rather than using Apple TV plus or uh, one of the others, which doesn't have access to everything. It only has access to the, to the things it's it's really connected to, but I'm hoping this is where I go and I do a search and that movie, then it'll tell me which of my services or do I need to rent it? Or is it on my own DVD? How can I get to it? And, um, and I think it's going to be great. So, yeah, exactly. And, and, and let's not forget too, that, I mean, we we're talking all about you know, movies that we got off of DVDs or other, other sources like that, but you can also put your own personal videos and movies up in here as well. I've got a whole library just for home video. None of these were on DVD. These were just either shot with old camcorders that I brought in or their iPhone movies I brought in as home videos and they're all just here able to watch as well 
And this is what I end up sharing with the rest of my family. So my boys who are now grown and whenever they want to come in and see the videos, they can actually go and watch these uh, remotely. So same right. idea. Uh, that's what Plex is great for. So don't, uh, yes, it's, it's really meant kind of designed for putting movies up, but you can absolutely put some of your own media up there and share it uh, as well. So the Plex, even though I'm watching it in a web browser, there's a app, a Plex app for the Apple TV. There's a Plex app for Roku. There's a Plex app for anything. Mm -hmm. iPhones, you can watch stuff on a Plex app on there. All you got to do is be able to be logged into your account. Uh, and as long as you're logged into your account, you have access to all your media, whether yep. you're inside your house or not. Uh, you can actually turn on a feature to allow you to have access outside of your own house. So yep. we love Plex. Plex is great. It does take a little bit of working with to kind of get your collection of videos put in there and organized. But once it is, it, it handles them very, very nicely and uh, manages your playback within your uh, your home entertainment yep. system. So. Yeah. And it'll, it will remember where you left off last time. If you started a movie, fell asleep, came back the next day. And it says, all right, we'll pick up where you left off, just like it would from Netflix or any other service. So so it is interesting. You are creating your own version of Netflix is really what's happening. You're creating your own, you know, your own streaming service that's coming from your own um, uh, your own server or your own computer. So. so real quick, just to get really technical on it, to let people know exactly what we're describing when we talk about this. I did go ahead and just pull up in my finder. This is my NAS. Mm -hmm. unit on my network on my home when i go to open it up there's a folder called media now there's a folder called plex media server that's where it put the files to run plex but the actual media folder is what it created to say this is where you're going to put all of your stuff uh you put into and so inside that media folder i have a folder called home videos i've got one called movies i've got one called tv shows and some other libraries i created if i open up the movies folder there are all of the files I created out of Handbrake. And so if I created them somewhere else on my computer and I've set up Plex, I take them and I drag them into this movies folder. Once I add them to that movies folder, Plex is automatically scanning that movies folder, looking for new files and will add it to the Plex interface you were looking at earlier. So it's actually some ways, if you really wanted to look at getting automatic with it, Brian, you know, you could rip your, you could have Handbrake rip the final movie directly into the location on your NAS or on your wherever on your computer. You have that folder for movies for for Plex. <clears throat> have it rip right to it, and then Plex will just see it there. Automatically adds it to its its library, yep. and you're good. You're good to go. So and that's what I that's what I've been doing. I've that's actually been, doing. been good. I've actually been using MKV to go directly to another folder on my NAS, okay. mm -hmm. and then I open it in. Um, in uh, Handbrake, and Handbrake yep. then stores it into the movie oh, folder of my uh, of my NAS. So yeah, it never it never touches my computer, my hard drive, the main hard drive. Yeah. Um, now that's I, I have a feeling that's probably a little slower because you're working on an external server to do this whole thing. But, yeah, but if you if if the time isn't really that big of an issue, if you don't mind spending yeah. a few a few more minutes. It's a cleaner way to do it because it you don't tie up yep. any room on your own hard drive and have to worry about reorganizing and moving things around. So, yep. uh, because you're going to have to end up copying that handbrake file back into the Plex server anyway, eventually. Right. So, might as well do it all on the, the main source. Yeah. Good. 
Yeah. All right. So, you know, I think the, the other thing I would just mention, you mentioned it already, but once you do get things in to Plex, it doesn't always, it's probably about 90% uh, so far has been accurate in terms of picking the right movie and saying, yes, I recognize what movie this is, regardless of what title I give it. Uh, but Alan, you want to show really quickly just on one of them, that little, the three dots uh, where you can. Yeah. I'm trying to see if there's actually a movie that is that didn't do correctly. not labeled correctly. Cause I think I've had a few of those. Any movie you see that you think is embarrassing, it's probably mislabeled. It's not oh, actually sure. a movie. Right, um, right. Just you, so you know, um, mm-hmm. it probably pulled in some really horrible movie poster name <laughs> by accident. So just letting you know that. Um, well, anyway, I don't know where one is, but let me just go ahead and show, like you're saying. Yep. So if I wanted to go in, let's say I bring a movie into Plex and it tries to figure out that movie and maybe it puts the wrong movie poster and the wrong uh, movie title. It's like, up, oh, yep. it messed that up. You can go into any of these and hit your little edit button. And this is kind of that metadata for that movie. You can actually go in, change the title of the movie if it got the title wrong. You also have a sort title, which means, you know, if you don't want it to sort under the for T-H-E, yeah, you can good. sort under just abyss. Um, and there's things like how, when was the film a first available studio, other things you could choose to go in and add, and that will allow it to kind of relink to the right copy of that, of that metadata online. Yep. And once you hit save changes, if you've got the right tags in there, it should be able to find it. Um, you can overwrite any of these as well. You can also put in your own custom poster. If you don't like the poster it pulled for a movie or you didn't think it was the right one here, you can see for this movie, it has like several different variations. So if I said, well, I kind of like this one, I could choose that. And that's now what's going to show in my library, which is kind of cool. Alan, Um, do really quickly go to the, the three dots down on the bottom, right. And just go to fix match. Oh yeah. Okay. So this is the way I've been oh, doing good, it. And yeah. it's not it's not easy, not always easy. So you, you know, what this is doing is giving you a list of what it thinks are the closest ones to what you have there. And you'll see some of them may be right. But if you go up, Alan, to that search, because I've had to do this many times, that search options, then you'll find out sometimes what's happening is they they make a guess and you can tell very quickly that, oh, it's because it's looking at the wrong year. It's looking at something that was in 2004. If you either take the year out and then say, now show me again, a lot of times it will go just by the title. Oh. And oftentimes it's taken me one or two clicks, but to find the one that actually it should be and click on it. So this is fairly new, Brian. I haven't seen this. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, it always had to be for me. I had to go in and actually edit it titles in. and just yeah. save it and hope it's and just watch it after a few minutes to see if it changes the poster. And yeah, no, that's everything. when you can search through its options. It's that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Fix match. Okay, so that yep. makes it really easy. Yeah, because yep. you can see there's a 1910 movie called The Abyss. And obviously, yep. if it pulled that one in by accident, you'd want to change it to the right one. So, yep. oh, that's good. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. And as long as you save the title, the the title of the file, you know, I've, I've gotten a little sequence that, you know, if it didn't do it automatically, I'll put the each word separated by an underscore, you know, back Mm -hmm. underscore to underscore the underscore, you know, future. And then it tends to, it tends to, to pull up the right, right things. But as I said, a lot of those DVDs did not have the correct titles built into them and the file titles. So it, um, oftentimes you have to go and tweak it a little bit, but man, yeah, once it's there, it's 
super slick, right? I love I the love fact that, that you know, I love the fact that if you were playing it right now, you could do a scroll down and actually click on the, you know, one of the, um, uh, in one of the actors, and you know, you could actually see. I think it's. Can you zip that up or something? And there's a there's another way where you can be looking at, uh, or maybe it's actually Alan. If you if you just look at the, where did I see this? Um, and this may be on a. I mean, was it on the web browser version or was it on? A, yeah, that's a good question. I thought it was, <clears throat> but it was super slick. Um, where you were able to oh. So for me, Alan, maybe I, maybe I have it. Oh, do it, do it again. Go back to your uh, list. Go back to the the list mm -hmm. of all your of all your videos, and don't click on the the play button. Just click on okay. the movie. Yeah, there you go. So now scroll down a little bit, and you can even see. Of course, yours may not have it for the old one. It does, uh, or maybe it's my mine. Actually, will show here are some of the. Uh, actors that are in so maybe take a yeah oh yeah there you go there you go click on an actor and it'll then show you <laughs> other things by that actor and all of that i mean it's and just just slick. to be clear it's, like it's doing all of this it, it, all you did was add your movie to the plex folder and told plex it, is it doing all of these background yeah. pulling the data the connections as long as the movie is tagged correctly it is yep. pulling the correct movie version it will do all this in the background yeah, yeah casablanca I think it 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 tripped up on that because I've still got Casablanca listed as zero uh, two Casablanca yeah, yeah. HD. Yep. Uh, I need to well, go do it, try to try to fix match. Try this. Try to see how easy that is to if it comes up the uh, match. Well, there's just a match, so it's not even fixed match. It's just matching for yep. the first time. Uh, Casablanca two? No. Nope. Um, Casablanca is not sixty one. There it is. That's there it, 1943. Go. So now it is changing it, and it obviously moved it to the right place in alphabetical so order. Yeah. Uh, should be right there. there. Now if I go into it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now you get the There's Rotten Tomatoes. You get, oh, awesome. Okay, good. Yeah, that's yeah so I've good. just got some movies I still didn't go back and clean up, especially since I didn't have that automatic match capability like you have now. So Yeah. And trailers and things like that, which are it's going to pull the trailer, even though you didn't upload a trailer, right? I mean, it's it just connects and says, "Hey, here's a trailer." Right, man, now stuff. you know I've got to go in and fix all my freaking movies. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm telling nope. you, it's I'm super super happy with it now. Realizing that my it weekend. is a free, it is a free app or it's a free interface. There are things that could be done better. There are things that could be a little slicker, but for for something free, Alan, I am incredibly impressed um and we didn't even now, mention the the fact that you know not too much at least that you could go and be on the road somewhere and pull up your movie on your phone because you have access to your you know your home server so this is pretty slick so i will say i, I am currently a plex subscriber mm -hmm. i do pay four dollars and 99 cents a month the reason I do that is because I believe that is the best way, easiest way to shoot. What was the reason I even did the subscription? There was a reason why I did. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what the what the benefits of that would be. <clears throat> uh, 
Uh, you know what? I don't remember anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I probably didn't revisit that. So can you, you can share your Plex library outside of your, your home network on a free version? I, th- I think so. Now that, that, you know, I haven't tried it yet because I've. Been I'm kind of thinking that maybe the one thing you got to get a Plex pass for. Okay. So actually go up top there and you see the, the benefits, right? The list. Uh, Where's right that? there, right there. Always. Let's see. No, this is, this is about everything, right? Um, yeah. About Plex in general. Yeah. Oh, this I, is I'm not exciting. quite sure. Yeah. I'm not quite sure. Oh, there you go. Uh, Features of Plex for Plex pros. So a TV DVR functionality, which mm-hmm. I don't use. Right. So the live TV, you could actually store that, right? And watch it a little later. That makes sense. I want to say, man, I really need to go back and see why I'm paying $5 a month. It used to be, I'm pretty sure that you could not share your library outside of your home network. In other words, I could not, it would not open up the ports on your router firewall or whatever to let mm-hmm. you stream outside of your home network. And that's why I needed the, the, pe- the, pre- the Plex pass, but that could be wrong. I, they may have changed that yeah, where you, you don't need that. it anymore. And if that's the case, I will be canceling it because I don't like paying money. That I don't need. I mean, it looks like some things that are there, hardware transcoding. I mean, there might be that it, it does a better job of picking what kind of version of the video that needs to go there or something. Yeah. But. but I'm not terribly picky on a lot of that. So anyway, yeah, I'll be checking to see. I haven't found. So right now what I'm reading, there's not a valid reason for me to look at paying for a subscription, but we can probably report back after we've uh, I've dug back into a little bit just to make sure we're not missing something. The biggest thing I seem to remember is just the whole, if I wanted to share my library, I gave a login to my son out on the other side of the state for him to watch remotely. I felt like that was needed with a mm-hmm. subscription, but that could be. Well, I do know, I do know the new thing now is they have the uh, lossless video access or uh, audio access for tonal. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a piece, but I know that's subscribe only. Uh, that's and I'm, that that's I it's great, but I'm not, not, a, no. not a need. I don't need that. So no. no, well, regardless, we love Plex. I mean, what we basically have laid down out for everybody here is kind of a three-step process where you are talking about um, having your physical DVD media. You are then taking a piece of software that will allow you to turn it into a digital file on your computer then taking that digital file on your computer and reformatting it, compressing it into a file that's very uh, universal and easy to play anywhere. Then you add it to whatever way you want to play it back, which in our case, we recommended using a Plex server to do that. This is really the ultimate solution if you are wanting to build a library. Now, if you're just going to do this with one movie and you just need to, yeah, I don't know if you need to set up a Plex server and all that for just for that. This is really for those of you that have a, a decent little collection of DVDs or maybe just some movies you've collected over time on uh, disc or digital format. And you want to get them into a common shared library, like you see here that you could access from any different device on your network. Um, yeah. I, I love the Plex interface. I love playing movies on Plex on my Apple TV, on my big screen. It's great. Looks great. Plays fast off of a NAS here in my home. It's been great. Has your experience, Brian, I haven't really followed up with you since you got your NAS kind of 
up and running and uh you're now doing uh, got your plex set up on there has everything been pretty good for you so far i mean plex plex has been fine uh, i haven't really pulled it up other than to test it at each of my uh my apple tvs and my roku i've, I've tested those and it pulls it up just fine so that's going to be great uh the nas has had some some hiccups trying to to get multiple people to be able to back up to the same mm-hmm. nas so i'm having trouble with that but uh for my particular computer which of course is the most important thing right me um yeah, it's sure. backing up just fine uh, but there's a couple of little quirks but you know if i'm finding the nas was a little bit more a little bit more technical to set up than i thought it would be yeah. i thought there'd be a little bit more like here you want to do this click this button and we'll do it you want to do this click this button it was a little bit more about okay now you got to go in and check permissions you have to determine who has access that sort of thing so there's going to be still a lot of tweaking that i need to do on that but um so far um, i'm really happy i did it um and i've got access i mean most importantly the plex server is going to be i think it's going to be fantastic um so i'm excited about that Hey, can I give you one little tip? Are you doing time machine backups? Yes. Yes. Okay. So one little thing that they did, they changed on time machine as an option, which I'm very happy about. Uh, If you go to your time machine settings now, um, you can actually choose how often it performs a backup. Okay. Which before time machine was by default hourly. Every hour, it's going to run a backup. Now, that may sound great from a backup strategy standpoint, but I noticed on my NAS, I don't know if your NAS is a, can be a little noisy if it's doing a lot of read and writes to it. It's a mm-hmm. lot of clicking and noises as, as it's working on your drives. You know, I, it was doing that every hour, like all the time. I'm just like, man, okay, it's just backing up all the time on Time Machine. So I changed it to say backup daily. So you now have the option to change that frequency where you did not have that option in previous versions of Mac OS. So hmm. changing it to daily means that, okay, yeah, if, if something crashed during the day, I may lose a few hours of whatever I was doing, but I just didn't want it to keep pounding on that NAS so often, so much every hour. So I said, do it once a day. And I think it's perfectly fine. Basically like in the middle of the night, if my laptop is uh, on and, and uh, hooked up to the network, it is backed up and, I'm good. So, so how how did you how did you switch that? Because I don't have that option. If you go I to know. your time machine uh, yep. options, are you mm-hmm. on a Ventura? Um, is that oh is that the brand new one? Yeah, I am not. Yeah, my okay. my that's, that's right. something of Ventura. Okay, yeah, I'm excited Ventura, about that. That's helpful. If yeah. you're in Ventura, you go to your time machine settings. There's an options button, and the first item Perfect. is backup frequency, and you can change it to every hour, every day, or every week. Awesome. So, yeah. And I just think day That's for me, it just, day just makes more sense. I just don't need this thing churning on my network every single hour. Um, yeah. Yep. So daily is perfectly fine by me. And uh, the NASA is a lot quieter <laughs> throughout the day <laughs> because bet. of that. So it's just good. So very cool. Okay, man. Well, this is good. I think, uh, you know, if anybody's got that DVD collection at home uh, and you wanted some steps to do it, hopefully we gave you some good free relatively easy ways to do it i mean yeah it is not as simple as click and drag a file off your disk to your computer we wish it was but it wasn't but uh at least with these couples uh, software products you get in the habit of just kind of churning through some of them just spend some time uh, digitizing them uh you're going to be very happy you've got that because then the disk become just 
unnecessary. You can do whatever you want to do with them. They're 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 no longer needed to be in your life if you want to get rid of that space. Um, and then we segued into the the Plex server because that is our ideal preferred way of sharing a video library of those files um, to your devices. So yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to put up that uh, disclaimer again before? Yeah, we, yeah. one uh, last time. Mm-hmm. Just a reminder. Uh, we are talking, saying if you are doing this on a store bought, a purchased copywritten movie, um, technically this could be illegal. <laughs> and so we are saying we've never done any of this. Right. Right. All those movies I showed you, those are all mock ups of posters. I just wanted to show you yeah. an example of what it could look like. Yep. Uh, yep. So please don't do this, or at least don't tell us you did it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh yes. Good. Um, in all seriousness, Brian, I mean, there's a lot of times where we even get DVDs sent to us of uh, home movies. People put on DVDs in years past, or, you know, uh, you get your wedding shot and they give you a DVD of like the, mm-hmm. okay, those are not going to be copy protected. Those you can use, you could actually use handbrake by itself yep. without yep, needing to make MKV bring it in. There's no copy protection. It's having to circumvent. So you do the same thing. You just don't have to do that first step. You can jump yep. right into handbrake, rip it. And then you've got a digital copy on your computer of that DVD. So again, make MKV as needed. If it's a copy protected movie, which is pretty much any studio movie on a DVD yep. or TV yep. show or something like that. So, yeah. Yep. Okay. I think we got it covered. I think so. I think so. So Brian, uh, if anybody had any experience with any of this, let's say they maybe heard of a friend who Mm -hmm. had ripped a DVD, but they themselves Mm -hmm. have not, but they heard somebody do it and they maybe heard somebody talk about that experience or ways to do it better. And then they'd like to share what their friend told them with us. How, how could they do that? Yeah, if you're if you have a really good imagination about how someone might have done this before, um, you can email us at uh, info at the mesh.tv. Now, if you are the FBI, we would appreciate you not emailing us at info at the mesh.tv. <laughs> this may be legal, and we are telling people not to do it. Um, you can also go to the website, which is www.brothers-in-tech.com. And uh, this may be legal. <laughs> This may be keep legal. Please up. do not do this. <laughs> Just I'm putting it all the way through. We really should have right, done Brian. like a uh, you know an entire across the screen the whole whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> Just I think been, so too. Don't do this. Yeah. Well, that's all great. Right. Well, look, happy ripping to everybody out there. <laughs> happy backup. Happy backup. Uh, back, backing that's up. Right. Backing exactly. up. Happy that's backing up. Uh, have a backup your DVD collection day legal. over the holidays yeah. and uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, we'd love to hear from you. So let us know if you have any experience with this or maybe even better ways of doing it. Uh, again, this is the software we've been using for a while. We've kind of landed on, but we're always open to new ideas and suggestions. So bring them in. Let us hear them. Yeah. Um, I think that's it, Brian. We're ready to wrap it up. I think so. Yeah, that hey, was man. great. Cool. Guys, thanks right, everybody for you, watching, listening. If you have any questions, let us know. Otherwise we will be back uh, probably next week with another episode. Uh, maybe, Maybe it's time for some more uh, suggestions. I don't know. I don't know if we're Maybe. due for that now, or we could yeah. do a couple suggestions. At some point, I want to do an episode on. Uh, I want to do an episode on uh, scripting out shortcuts, like creating shortcuts yeah. on a computer, little automated macro things. Would be kind of fun to do sometime. But we'll we'll have plenty of stuff to talk about. Stay tuned. We'll be back next week with that. And uh, until then, take care. We will talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye bye.
You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.